Well, good good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to our October webinar and podcast episode. Um, a quick reminder, as I always do on asking questions, if you are joining us live today, you have the opportunity to ask a question at any time. You just need to type that into the Q&A function on your Zoom control panel, and that will be answered at the end of the session. If you're viewing the recording or listening to the podcast later and would like to ask a question, just feel free to contact us directly at smithink.com. I'm now going to hand over to David Smith, SmithInc Director, to present his session on the key things you, sh you should consider in an effective marketing plan. Over to you, David. Great, thanks, Andrea, and uh, good afternoon or good morning, wherever you may be. Um, good to talk with you. I hope um, you're surviving effectively in these uh, continuing strange times that uh, we have. Uh, we thought that doing a bit of a webinar about um, marketing's um, worthwhile in this circumstance you know it's always you've got to keep that message out there don't you and uh, there's been some interesting observations about which I'll come to during the presentation about what firms have done uh, during the whole COVID-19 situation and how some firms have managed to use their marketing to uh, put themselves at the top of the pile and uh, win more work so uh, I've got a fair bit to cover here so the idea is that I'm just going to hit you with with issues, things to think about. Um, we don't have enough time to get into a comprehensive marketing plan. I'm just gonna hit you with some uh, particular tactical ideas that you might wanna ponder. The first one, which I think is absolutely critical and yet very few firms have done it. And that is that um, you need to build a database. You need to come up with a database of um, people who may be interested in uh, having you um, be their advisor. Uh, the most logical thing to do would be to say, let's go out and, and get the um, addresses, email addresses, contact details of every business person within you know, 10, 15, 50, 100K radius, depending on where you're living, um, and, and get them into your database so that then they'll be receiving your communications uh, and uh, being invited to your webinars and the other activities that you're doing. It is clear from you know, all marketing initiatives that the larger the group of people that you're marketing to, the better the effect that you'll get. Uh, and so you may want to run campaigns on social media to get people to register with you. Um, some firms who are keen on trying to build these databases um, get a young uni student to come in and, and start you know, going to different businesses' websites and trying to gather contact details off that. Um, some firms, which I really encourage, is to ensure that all of their staff are gathering as many business cards as they possibly can so that when they're out and about in their local community uh, and there's a business card on a business front desk, they pick that up and they bring it back to their office and it gets whacked into the database. Um, or if they're standing next to somebody at a football ground watching the kids play soccer, you know, you'll get their business card. And you just slowly over time build um, a larger and larger database of people who are receiving your content. Just by way of example, um, Smith Inc. has a database. Our database is about 15,000, um, which is a reasonably large um, database for targeting the accounting industry. And that's been built over many, many years. Uh, and so 
yeah, I, I know and Mark Holton knows that um, you know the, the marketing that we do to that database definitely has a positive effect for our business. Um, so you may you're starting there and thinking about how do we increase our, our exposure and build a larger database is a good starting point. Um, where you store this data is always an interesting question. So some people might put it in the practice management system and put a little flag on it to say that they're prospects. Other people might store it in something like MailChimp. Other people might um, be a bit more sophisticated and have a customer relationship management system, a CRM, uh, and store it there. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I think it's an important criteria to go out and build that database because a lot of the other act activities I'll be talking about uh, really come back to uh, be able to market to a good quality database. The second thing that you should do at a high level is create a marketing calendar. And essentially what a marketing calendar does is it maps out the entire year uh, and has categories of activity such as doing newsletters, such as doing webinars, uh, such as uh, going out and uh, meeting referral contacts, whatever it may be. And all of those are mapped out onto this calendar. And you can see on the example on the screen, it's all done with color. And the power of doing that is that you want to ensure that your marketing activity happens consistently across the year. And if you've got this large calendar with color coding, you can quickly look at it and see where the gaps are, see where maybe you need to do a webinar or where you might need to do more client visits or whatever it may be. Uh, and so you get this consistency. You know, it is quite clear with marketing that in order to be successful, you have to have this consistency of doing the marketing um, over and over again um, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. That's the way to be successful here. To start off and just do a bit and then say, oh, that's not working and stop. Um, that's uh, a recipe for continued failure. Um, these things do take time to build up momentum. The challenge, of course, and the frustration, I suppose, is that all the marketing gurus say, you know, I know 50% of my marketing is working. I just don't know what 50% uh, it is. And, and that's so true. So it's very hard to work out what, which bits of marketing are achieving the better result. So you've just got to keep working on, on this broad, <laughs> excuse me, on this broad spectrum. Now, um, one of the key aspects is to communicate um, your expertise. So you need to be writing content. And yes, you can source in content from other places and you can use that as well. But at the end of the day, you're trying to communicate your own expertise. And so writing articles is a critical component here to use as content in your newsletter, um, on your social media feeds. Um, and if you can syndicate it to somebody else, even better. Um, just to get this content out there. Now, I don't think these articles need to be long. You know, my target when I'm writing a blog is 500 words. And I, the, the logic behind having something that, um, that brief is that people could read that nice and quickly. From a writing pers perspective, 
it's essentially one essential idea that you're writing about. Now, the interesting thing is that when, when I'm writing my blogs, I would spend more than 50% of the time trying to work out the title. So I'm trying to come up with a title that is a bit catchy, a bit interesting to encourage people to read it. Um, and so, you know, one of my one of my most read blogs that I ever wrote, which is a blog I wrote about two years ago, or a little bit longer perhaps, was the Accountant's Guide to Fishing, which I wrote in about uh, in January of uh, one year when I was um, doing some fishing myself. Um, that got a high level of readership because people were intrigued by what was said. So try and spend some ideas, take some risks to get out there and, uh, and write some, uh, some catchy articles and then start, as I say, putting them on every platform you can think of and just get it out there. Uh, and obviously, if you're putting it out onto Facebook or LinkedIn and those sorts of platforms, try and get people, your staff in particular and others, to like it, to share it, et cetera, to keep, to keep that effect of getting it further and further out there. The second piece is to, uh, or link to it, is instead of writing articles, do some short videos. And when I mean short, I'm meaning you know, a couple of minutes, two or three minutes, um, no more. One essential idea, make them short and sweet. Um, there's lots of platforms such as loom.com that enables you to do those things very, very simply these days. People like looking at videos, particularly um, uh, by looking at somebody they might be interested in having their advisor, um, seeing, uh, seeing them talk in a video gives them more, more of a feeling for what they're like and whether they would be the sort of advisor that they'd be interested in having them work for them. So definitely think about um, some short videos. You need to do this stuff regularly. So get your staff writing these um, articles at well, uh, as well. It doesn't have to just be the leaders. Allocate it right out to everybody. Um, some of the articles don't even have to relate to um, the professional work you're doing. It could be, you know, I've seen firms write articles which are recipes, um, articles about what's happening in the firm, uh, articles about your community activity. All of those sort of things are all pieces that can be written and every staff member should at least be writing one, if not two blogs a year and you spread the load out and you, nobody's burdened by having to do too much. And if you put all of that in the calendar, people then know when they have to write it and they've got time to get it done. Um, the newsletter should um, essentially have uh, some snippets on these articles, but the articles should be back on your website so that when people click on the article, they're taken back to your website and they read it there um, rather than having the whole thing uh, on, uh, on the newsletter itself. Then finally, you need to be analysing the results of this and if you use MailChimp or any of those transmission tools out there, they will give you good analysis about what articles are being read, the open rates, those sorts of things, uh, even who's actually read them. Uh, and that gives you more ammunition to work out what are the articles that people are interested, what are the other things that we need to do, and any, even those who are interested, what should we be, how should we be going back to them perhaps if they've expressed interest in this area. The other thing which you can do is you can, Partway through the month, you can do a, a newsletter, but then maybe a couple of weeks later, you could do a second transmission out 
which is actually promoting a particular service that you provide. And, and not completely blatant promotional piece, but pretty, pretty close to it, saying, um, you know, we've found our clients have had these issues, this is how we've helped them, um, type of a case study might be helpful there, and give a call to action to say, if, uh, if you're interested in this, please contact us, we'd love to talk to you about them. It's very short and sharp, just targeting the, a one idea or one service, putting it out in front of people that you can help them in this area. Um, it's quite easy to come up with these things. Think about people's life events uh, and all the triggers that happen. Uh, and you can write about one of those each time and the sorts of things that people might need to address. Um, I think that that's a very effective way to, um, to again, be communicating what you can do. There's a lot of research out there which says even your own clients don't know everything that you can do to help them. And so pieces like this can help communicate what uh, those things are about, how you can do that. Now, I think events is also very much worthwhile, although it's actually impossible right now in the COVID-19 world to run an event. Um, so uh, it, it is a bit tricky. However, um, what's happening now is that many people are turning to webinars and podcasts. Uh, and I really would encourage you to really have a strong webinar program where you're really promoting, you know, uh, talking about the issues that your clients are facing, particularly in the, with all the government stimulus stuff. A lot of firms ran webinars on those and were highly successful. You promote them again on social media. And so I had a lot of firms telling me that uh, more than 30% of the people attending their webinars were non-clients of the firm. So you're encouraging people who are clients to invite others. Uh, and uh, I think that's a very effective way to market. If you do do a webinar, you can of course um, record them. You can put them up on a podcast platform and people will then listen to the podcast. And interestingly, um, what we've found here at Smithink is that um, when we do webinars, we put them on the podcast platforms. And in the end, we end up with a higher number of viewers viewing the podcast than we do the webinar itself. So um, uh, having that type of activity is worthwhile. But if you are going to do it, you need to get the tech right. You need to get you know, quality video, quality sound, quality lighting. Um, you need to be able to handle the registration process easily. Um, systems need to do the recording of it. Now, there's a plethora of platforms that will allow you to do this. We're now using Zoom. We were using GoToWebinar. Go to there's a lot of platforms out there to do this. Um, but, um, you know, get, your, get yourself organised with these platforms. Get to understand how they work. Uh, get all of the surrounding technology, such as the sound and the lighting, etc., all working as well. And then just do practice. The more you do this, the better you get. Um, obviously doing these things, uh, it's important that you try and engage. Um, looking down the barrel of the camera is what you should be attempting to do. It's actually quite hard to do because the screen is um, below the camera generally. And so therefore most people tend to look at the screen. So you're gonna force your eyes back up to look down the barrel of the camera because then people think that you're looking at them. So it's all of those little bits of technique that uh, uh, we need to deal with. But I think through this COVID-19 crisis, um, the firms that have been really proactive 
in doing uh, webinars uh, and doing good webinars have really had a positive outcome from that activity. So I'd really encourage you to do that. These webinars don't need to be long. You know, we used to run webinars at 45 minutes to an hour. All of our webinars now are 30 minutes. Um, and we've found that um, that's been a much more effective way to go. Networking is also critical. Um, you need to work on those referral partners. Um, now, clearly again, um, events and stuff, it's more difficult in this current environment that there's still no reason why you can't reach out and connect with people, have a Zoom call with them, uh, and have very regular meetings with those referral sources, the banks, the lawyers, the financial planners and others. The reason why this is so important is that uh, you need to be in their face regularly because you might be in their face one week, but two weeks later, another accountant or another advisor will be in their face and they'll start to forget about you. So you need to have a program scheduled into this calendar of events of making certain you keep going back to them. Now, I believe as well that um, all of your team should be doing this um, as well. They should be trying to build their own personal network of getting out and meeting people and having their own personal networking initiative. And so what that's about is they should be joining um, particular maybe business groups um, so that they can get out there and start to build their personal network. And if there's any younger people um, on this particular, listening to this presentation, if I can say from you know, my position now of being somebody who's been around a fair bit of time, the, the most important thing that you can do in your career is to build your personal network and invest time in that as early as you can and it will pay substantial dividends for you. So all of this building these networks, building these connections is the way that you will start to generate work. Uh, and yes, it's not easy in the end. No one, no one likes going to cocktail do's, not that we can at the moment, but all of these things are things you have to start to get the skills and start to need to do it. And you need to get out there and be talking to people very regularly. Now, yes, it's harder to do now, but um, start using the technology, start using the, the video conferencing to, uh, to achieve those goals. Now, if you are talking to potential referral partners, the lawyers and the, the bankers, etc., one of the ways that it can be effective is to actually say, rather than just having a conversation, let's come up with a plan. Why don't we, at the next time that we get together, you come along with half a dozen clients in your head that perhaps I might be able to help. And I'll come along with half a dozen clients in my head that perhaps you might be able to help. And you can kick those around and come up with a plan perhaps. And if you, if you approach it from that perspective, the, the person you're talking to is going to feel more encouraged about um, being involved and engaging with you because they can see that there is potentially uh, uh, an opportunity that might come out of it. Um, all too often, people are reluctant to have these types of meetings because they think, oh, all you want is business from me. What's in, what's in it for me? So you need to actually have this sort of level of engagement where you give them a feeling that you're trying to help them as 
much as them trying to help you. And making it a bit more concrete is not a bad way of uh, achieving that outcome. If anything came out of the COVID-19 situation, it is clear that the firms that were proactive in their client contact have had a much better outcome. Um, so many people have said to me, you know, the COVID-19 thing forced us to be proactive, forced us to get out there and, and talk to our clients about their situation and, and uh, how we can help them and how we can get the uh, government stimulus stuff happening. And many of those have said, you know, I feel as the, the, the end result of that is that my relationship with my client is much, much stronger uh, and that will uh, bear dividends going forward. Uh, and that's fantastic because um, that's exactly what we should be doing. The number of firms who say to me, you know, when I ask them the question, it's a good question for you to think about yourself. Um, when you think about your fee base, and you think about the additional work that sits inside your fee base that um, you have not yet unlocked. It is the most common thing that nearly every firm will say to me, yeah, there's probably 20% of additional fees sitting in my fee base that I'm not unlocking. So to unlock those fees, client contact is, is the key element here. So this is about proactive, unprompted client contact you know our profession is renowned for being reactive not proactive this forces it into a proactive situation when you're on your calendar of events you're marking out when you'll be proactively meeting the clients and when you do these proactive contact contacts um, what we need to be doing at that point is we need to engage with the client and you've heard mark holton and i go on about this for probably 20 years you need to be doing a needs review type discussion. You need to be doing a discovery type session to find out what's going inside your client's head, what they're worried about, um, because out of that discovery, you'll find out the issues that the clients are trying to address and how you can help them. So these unprompted client contacts should be like a mini needs review to just keep in touch, find out what's going on, find out what they're worried about, and then you can respond uh, about the, the sorts of things you could do to help them very critical, nearly the most important thing that you should be doing. Asking clients for referrals um, is, uh, should be a no-brainer, but very few do it. Uh, and uh, I'll just quickly throw these little stats up here. Um, this is um, circumstances around referrals, only about 52% um, are asked, um, but the more, more important thing is here that the reasons why people don't refer is they haven't been asked to refer. So what I really strongly suggest is that um, you need to get a technique where every client every year is asked for referrals. Now, I'm not saying that you'll just say to the client, hey, give me a referral, will you? Um, it's a bit more subtle than that. The words that I think are a good words to use are on along the lines of, I hope you're happy with the work that I've been doing for you. Um, we're always looking for new work. Uh, and if you know anyone who'd be interested, uh, who uh, we'd love to have a chat with them. Um, and you need to have that sort of patter whenever someone says to you, how are things going? So many accounts will say, oh, I'm really busy. You know, job keeper, all this stuff happening, I'm really busy. That's saying that people don't refer any work to me because you're too busy. 
So um, you need to have this sort of standard response at 90. As people ask me how I'm going, as my response always is going really well, thanks, but um, I'm always looking for new work. So you make it quite clear that you're looking for new work. Firms that ask consistently for referrals get work. It's that simple. And you just need to start to get the confidence to have that conversation all of the time. Um, I already mentioned blogs. I thought I took that slide out. My apologies. Um, now, your website is also a critical component here. Do you know that 54% of people who are refer referred to your firm will drop out and not actually contact the firm after they've looked at your website? So, and you've got about 10 seconds to capture them when they come to your website. So, less is more on that home page. It needs to be engaging. You've got to give them reasons to contact you uh, so that they will sort of go to that next level. Uh, and you need to be very clear about what your proposition is. You want to have things like videos and testimonials, those sorts of things to give people confidence because essentially, you know, a professional relationship is a trust relationship. And you need to be able to, on your um, website in particular, you need to communicate your professional expertise uh, uh, and, and your integrity and, and so that people think they can trust you. So working around the website to, to you know, turn it into this client acquisition webbing, uh, weapon is a really important thing to do. This is again where all of your content's sitting there, all of your videos are sitting there, you've got some testimonials happening, uh, links with your social media, all of that stuff's sitting there. Hopefully most of you have got that, but Go back and critically read your homepage and see what, um, how much of it you can read in the first 10 seconds of going to it and determine whether or not that would be something which is really engaging to someone who uh, might be interested in talking to your firm. And if it's not, go and rewrite it and make it heavily summarised, you know, and use a, a designer who really knows how to, how to capture people's uh, imagination with, uh, with what, what you can do to help them. So um, I think I've spoken about all of that. I'm gonna run out of time here, so I'm just gonna keep um, moving on. Um, digital marketing is also critical, um, particularly in this COVID-19 world where it's um, much harder to get out there and get your messaging heading, happening. Um, paid advertising does work. Um, you, um, you need to be thinking about um, Google Ads, you know, at the end of the day, Google Ads is the yellow pages of the 21st century. Um, and so you need to be out there advertising on Google. Um, you need to be thinking about how do you use that effectively. So to give you one example, um, you may on Google with your advertising be um, marketing a particular service, for instance, it could be bookkeeping, it could be cash flow management, whatever it might be. On your website, you can create a specific landing page for that so that uh, if people click off Google, they're taken directly to that page relevant to what the ad is talking about. And then you can talk about the services you can provide and how you can help them. So. Um, you need to be tactical around how you're using this. You can advertise in Facebook as well. And one of the things Facebook allows you to do is to segment your audience who might see those ads. So you can, so you can do it by geographic area, you can do it by age, you can do it by interests. 
So um, Facebook advertising is definitely should be in the mix as well. LinkedIn, um, I, I have not seen that as effective as the, uh, of the other two. Uh, Twitter, again, I've not seen that as effective as the other two. Um, so I, initially I would be starting with um, Google Ads and Facebook. Remarketing is essentially syndication of your ad through Google partners. Um, you might notice yourself that sometimes you're, you're doing a Google search and you, exp and you go to a website on a particular product you may be interested in and then you'll find that when you're going to other websites, ads for products like that keep on emerging. That's called remarketing. There's no reason why you can't do remarketing as well. And then Google My Business, which is your profile on Google, that needs to be effectively set up. And I would work hard on your Google reviews to try and lift the number of positive Google reviews that you have. There seems that I've spoken to a few firms who have worked hard on that and there seems to be a direct correlation between the um, Google ads they run and the level of Google reviews. And the more Google positive Google reviews they have, the more positive impact and the more um, work and contact they're getting out of their Google ads because of those Google reviews, because it sort of reinforces it that, um, that this organization is uh, worth talking to. And you need to go and find a creative designer. Don't do the ads yourself come up with somebody who's a bit creative to, to make them look good and, uh, uh, and drag the eyeballs. So um, I have managed to do that in half an hour. There's a lot of things that have, that, um, have been covered there. Um, you need to go back to that calendar and work out your marketing plan and spend your time to determine what are the right things we need to do. They are all very tactical. Ultimately, your firm should have a strategic plan as well. Um, and then your marketing plan should then feed back into that strategic plan. But we haven't had enough time to really talk about that in any depth today. I just wanted to stick to the particular tactical issues. So we're right up on time, uh, happening, happy to take some questions. So I'll hand, hand you back to Andrea now. Great, thank you, David. Um, just a reminder, everybody, if you would like to ask a question, just type that into the Q&A function on your control panel now, and I'll read that out for you. You have said, great to see you, David. No questions, that's good, maybe. Just give it a couple of moments, everybody. Wait to see if any questions come through. Okay, Dan, what's the most effective way to get Google reviews? Well, got to be a bit careful here because Google doesn't like you bribing people. Um, but I know that that's what some firms have done. I, I know one firm ran a, uh, had um, an iPad Pro. And if you put a Google review up, you'd go into the drawer to win an iPad Pro. That's what my, I know one firm did. Um, but uh, Google frowns upon such activity. Um, the short answer is, ask your client. Is, uh, just say to your clients, look, would you mind doing a Google review for us? Um, and you do that with 30 or 40 clients, uh, all of a sudden you've got a really nice bunch of Google reviews. And I think you know yourself that when you're out um, hovering around the web looking at products and services, if there's a lot of positive reviews, you feel a bit more positively disposed. And that's all what we're trying to achieve here. Great, thank you, David. No other questions at the moment. Just give it a couple more moments. 
Um, I think that's all today. So if anybody does have any further questions, of course, just contact us directly. You can email us directly. Um, I've got another one from Dan coming through. You can email us or contact us on smithing.com at any time. Um, Dan has said, what's the most, oh, should different platforms target different types of clients? Possibly. I, I would rephrase that to say different campaigns um, should target different clients. Um, at the end of the day, um, you could argue that, um, you know, some, if, if I was trying to get um, uh, young 20 year olds as clients, probably I'd be trying to advertise on TikTok or something. Um, so there, there is definitely some, uh, some age groupings for different platforms. Um, but you look at some of those platforms like Facebook and the biggest users of Facebook just about now are my generation. Um, trying to keep in touch with their grandkids and stuff. So it, you, you probably do need to think about those platforms themselves, but I think it's more related to the campaign. And then on, the, on some of these platforms like Facebook, you can actually dissect by age group through, uh, through um, when you're setting the ad up. Great, thanks, David. And one more from Dan has just said, um, what are your thoughts on Instagram? Um, I'm sick of seeing what my daughter eats. <laughs> Um, but outside of that issue, um, again, as long as I don't have a problem with advertising on it, um, to be frank, we have never done that. I don't have personal experience on it. But remember with these things, you don't pay anything until somebody clicks on your ad. So there's nothing to lose by, by running the experiment here and seeing what happens. And that's the same with all of these platforms that cost you nothing until someone clicks and comes to your website. So my encouragement would be give it a go um, and see how it runs. Great. Thanks, David. And uh, Michael's just said, great presentation. Thank you. And he's asked about today's slides. Just to let you all know, um, we'll get the recording and the slides out to you this afternoon. So you'll have access to all of that. Um, and I think we're up now. Thank you, David, for presenting today. Thanks, Andrea. Good to talk to you all. Thanks everybody for attending. See you next time.